Hey, hi, hello. Welcome to the Influence Podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Monet. The Influence Podcast is a place where I sit down with influencers in the faith, entrepreneurs, and creatives to have combos about how they balance living life out loud on social media while walking with God. This is also a space where my friends and I will discuss certain cultural topics like dating, modesty, friendship, and sex, and how our faith has influenced the way we think about them. The Kevin Hart line you're going to learn today has never been more true than in the context of this podcast episode. If nothing else, you'll learn about what discipleship is in its essence. In this episode, we do a deep dive into discipleship with two of my brothers in the faith, Alumide Akinwande and CJ Muduka. Both of them are nothing less than passionate about reaching the lost in the next generation, as well as shepherding those connections well. In part one of this conversation, we get into why discipleship is a pillar of the Christian faith, how it can be so transformative, and also why it can sometimes be a little complicated. And again, this is only part one of the conversation, so check back later this week for more amazing nuggets in part two. Okay, cool. So I'm super excited to have you guys on the podcast today. I know that you guys are really big on discipleship. Both of you guys are in ministry. Both of you guys um, are influential in big parts of my own like life and ministry life. So I'm honored to have you guys on today. If you guys could introduce yourselves and tell a little bit about why discipleship is important to you and kind of what you do now. Sweet. Appreciate you having us on the podcast. Um, my name is Olu Akinwande, graduated from the University of Maryland, uh, College Park, <laughs> and um, majored in finance and management and was doing ministry in a bivocational role. Recently transitioned from being a youth pastor with me and my wife joining a church planting fellowship down here in Atlanta, Georgia with the Grace Family of Churches. And Discipleship has been big. I mean, I am the sum product of the investment and the grace that's been deposited inside of me through the vehicle of discipleship. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be following Jesus as zealous as I would have without discipleship. And I've seen just tremendous fruit um, on just the life-on-life relational connection between someone who might be one step further in their walk with God and enabling other people to take that next step. And so, yeah, I think ministry is discipleship. It's not an optional um, extracurricular activity. If we're not actually making disciples, what are we doing? A quote that comes to mind is, um, if you build the church, making disciples is not necessarily a direct result. But if you actually make disciples, the church would automatically be a natural byproduct. And so my aim really as a as a core focus is making disciples. And so it's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. That was a good intro. It's hard to follow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) My name is Chijiaku Maduka, uh, CJ for short. I also went to University of Maryland. uh, Yes, sir. Graduated in 2016. Uh, and then went to George Washington University afterwards uh, for grad school. And really same, also ministry, um, discipleship had a huge impact on my life as well. 
Um, I just think about like even my time at University of Maryland, one of the guys who was leading the campus ministry really took me under his wing. And that really like brought me to the Lord. Uh, the Lord used that as the vehicle to bring me to himself. Even growing up in a uh, semi-religious household, it wasn't really, I, I knew about all the rules. I knew about all the, the things you shouldn't do, but I didn't actually knew, know what it meant to follow Jesus. Mm. Um, so it took somebody else who, who their life has been impacted by Jesus to take me along on the journey that Jesus was taking them as well. Um, so I think it's, it's crafted me and shaped me in so many different ways. And just the fact that I've seen discipleship from different people spanned over the span of years with one person to a couple of weeks with another person to years again with another person. Um, so just seeing like people taking intentional time to pour into the life of me as a young man um, has helped me so much. And it's, it's given me just a zeal for people to get discipled, um, a zeal for um, people to know who Jesus is and know what it means to, to truly worship and serve him and see other people who are doing it as well. I think that's something that's huge. Like if you don't see other people who are doing it, it feels, and you feel isolated. It doesn't mean that you can't do it, but you'll feel at times like you can't do it. Um, so it's just huge to know that there's others who are further along in their faith who are willing to pour out of what they've been given to you as well. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Um, so kind of bringing that down, if you guys could define in one to two sentences, what is discipleship? Go for it, CJ. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, I feel like discipleship is really um, a process of bringing somebody along I think discipleship one, you have to be a disciple to make a disciple. So I feel like discipleship is pouring out of what Jesus has given you. So some like truly um, teaching others to obey Christ, to worship Christ uh, and all that he's commanded. Um, and it can be a one-on-one -on -one relationship. It can be uh, a relationship that's in, more so in community. Um, but it's really that, that process of teaching somebody to obey Christ and uh, and all that that entails. Yeah. Man, that's rich. It's too rich, man. I mean, I love that concept of just, you have to be a disciple to make disciples. It's, mm -hmm. it's foundational for me. I like to use the word apprenticing because discipleship has lost its cultural relevance as it relates to our modern day society. And when you think about apprenticing under someone, it's to learn in close proximity, right? The elbow knowledge, the competency, the character of a master. And when we think of Jesus, he wasn't just our savior, but he was also a teacher. And I think when I think of discipleship, I think of man, Jesus wasn't just an awesome human being. He was actually brilliant. And apprenticing to Jesus looks like, man, how do I learn from his ways? Because he's the master of what we call life, right? And honestly, deep in our hearts, everyone craves to be discipled. And whether we know it or not, we are being discipled by something or someone. Yeah. You're probably yeah. seeing across like a ton of, I don't know, there's been these new master classes that have been prompted up, right? Yeah. Master classes from people who maybe the Disney CEO or, you know, someone who's writing a book on a particular topic. And so everyone craves to be discipled. Yeah. And for me, I think the definition that puts it best is discipleship is the process of becoming who
who Jesus would be if he were me. Mm. And so a lot of times we think of discipleship as I just need to be like Jesus, but actually contextualizing it to who we are. So if I'm an accountant, discipleship looks like becoming who Jesus would be if he were an accountant, if he were in my shoes. Mm. And I think the common notion is I need to be a nomad who doesn't have a job and who is constantly traveling or a missionary. And I think that is a part for some people's vocation. Right. But I love that discipleship is about contextualizing to my particular circumstance and learning from Jesus to become like him if you were in my shoes. And so, yeah, that's my own personal definition of discipleship. Hmm. That's good. Dang, like, where do you even go from there? <laughs> but <laughs> I guess, like, why... You guys kind of touched on it a little bit, but why is discipleship important in your in the Christian faith, in your walk, in how you navigate in everyday life and circles? What makes it so important? I remember asking a question, and it was about the false dichotomy between evangelism and discipleship. And in my own personal ministry, in the ministries I was a part of, there was a heavy focus on like evangelistic efforts, right? Mm-hmm. Getting people saved. And a question I would propose to listeners is like, imagine if the entire world was Christian. Would we see transformation? Would racism be removed? Would systemic injustice be dismantled? Would sexism, classism be obliterated? No, right? (laughs) Like, it's not just about getting people in, but it's about actually enabling them to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And so as of lately, we see this, major trend of ministers and ministries focusing on decisions and not disciples. Yeah. Mm. Right. And so most of the efforts today is obsessed with getting someone to make a decision, right? How do I get them to say a prayer? How do I get them to fill out a card? How do I get them to uh, say yes to Jesus in their hearts? Mm -hmm. But particularly in the Bible, we see the apostles not obsessed with decisions, but actually obsessed with making disciples. And there's a clear difference. And so I think discipleship is important because one, it's the Great Commission. Two, it's God's heart for humanity, for people to fall in this interactive relationship with him. And if we want to see societal transformation, it's going to come from people actually coming under the lordship of Jesus Christ and not just simply saying yes to him being a savior. But CJ, I'm curious to hear from you, man. Why is discipleship important to the Christian faith. Yeah. Hard to follow again. But um, yeah, I think for me, just thinking about the faith, I'm like, discipleship is really like a posture, how you're saying, under the lordship of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so even thinking back to like Adam and Eve, like they made a, a decision to be the arbiters of what is good and evil. And that's literally what like proceeds now in our world. Like you see people being the the deciding factors of good and evil. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is like, usually when we do that, we lean towards evil, um, even if we don't feel like it. Uh, anytime we're the like moral uh, compass for ourselves, our moral compass is actually broken. Um, so I think even at its inception, like discipleship was about how do we return from where we've fallen to where we're actually supposed to be? Because uh, I think about the hope of life that we have after this one. It's like we are going to be constantly in submission to God. We're going to be constantly in submission to Jesus. So 
if we can't get that right now, it's like the future hope, what, like, what do we expect? Um, yeah. And there's so much more to be unpacked there too, but um, you even spoke about a lot of even just in this life, like discipleship can literally change this world. Um, I think about just some of the, the people who have discipled me and some of the people who I've had the privilege to disciple and seeing the transformation in people's lives. Mm. Um, mm. It's like, literally people are looking in awe of like, what happened that you're different from like the last time I talked to you? What happened mm. that you're different from when I talked to you a couple years ago? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think really just the transformation that happens, it's truly like the best picture of um, who Jesus is in this world, mm. showing people that a life can be transformed. Um, mm. That's good. Like even Jesus said that, the world will know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. Mm-hmm. So that love that he's talking about is not possible unless we're under the submission and the lordship of Jesus. Um, because it's, it's too difficult. Yeah. Um, if you look at the definition of like love or how it, not necessarily the definition, but how it characterizes love in mm-hmm. 1 Corinthians 13, like something that you see is like, love doesn't demand its own way. I mm. always demand my own way. <laughs> I'm always like, I want what I want. Right. Um, but it's like that very thing that will show this world that Jesus is Lord of all um, and all will bow at some point now or later mm-hmm. um, can really be seen. And that picture can be communicated in a clear way by people actually being disciples. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's, I think one, like it's the best picture of like evangelism, how you were saying um just like and how you said it's a false dichotomy because literally that evangelism leads to people being disciples because Mm. evangelism is discipleship at its inception jesus said make disciples so it was like he was literally telling them go and evangelize but it was never like go and evangelize it was like go and make disciples and teach them to obey all i've commanded you um Mm. so one i feel like this world would change with Mm. discipleship but I think also it prepares us for a life we're not, we can't even imagine yet. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I even think there was a quote that they say Mahatma Gandhi said, but I don't think it's true um, <laughs> that he said it, but I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians. Another Indian philosopher mm-hmm. said, Jesus is ideal and wonderful, but you Christians, you are not like him. Mm. And mm. the reason why I believe discipleship is important is because it bridges the gap between character and the competency of man and that of Christ. Right? Okay. And so the world is looking at us being representatives of Christ. And because we focus so much on decisions, we've placed an unnecessary burden on people who have not committed to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Right? They've committed to the blood of Jesus, but not the lordship of Jesus yeah. And because of that, we see Christians, a theologian calls them vampire Christians, where they only go to, for Christ for blood, <laughs> but not actually transformation. <laughs> yeah. And like, we see it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we see politics, right? People who are professing Christ, but then morally, it's failures. We're seeing just leadership, Christian leaders falling morally, sexually. And I do believe it's a discipleship gap. And I want to go on a rabbit hole, but I won't. But I'll just say (laughs) this, that submission to Jesus and submission to others actually protects us and actually motivates us 
in the right motivations. And without those guardrails or without those paths, we're left to our own devices. Yeah. You literally just want to add one thing, like something that you just said, just made me think of the scripture in 2 Corinthians 3, where it's like, we all with unfailed faces behold the glory of the mm. Lord. Uh, and we're being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. Uh, and I feel like that's a good, like one of the best pictures of discipleship because it's mm. like we, with unveiled faith, we get to see Jesus for the first time. Yeah. And after that, we're being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. So it's like we're, we're constantly being conformed into the image of the perfect one, the image of um, the one who came down from heaven. And I think even the verse before that, um, just highlight something that you just said too. It says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So it's right. actually for our own protection because we're able to walk in a freedom where we're not um, bound by the consequences of this fallen world. Uh, mm. We're actually able to like walk in a way where it's like, I'm not shackled by anything because mm. um, God, as I'm being conformed into his image, is actually freeing me from the consequences of this world. Mm. Rich. Yeah. So you guys have alluded to different ways that people have impacted your life in terms of discipleship. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, how those people have in fact have impacted your lives to where you are now? So I remember the first person who discipled me in college is the cousin of the now pastor of the church that I go to. Um, and he just even was telling me stories of how his life was impacted. But at the time, I remember, because I mentioned that I grew up in a religious household. So I was looking at scripture, but I would try to make scripture conform to my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember like just living like immorally in college. And I would look at certain scriptures and I'm like, nah, this can't mean this because I'm living <laughs> this um, So I'm like... The, Bible talks about like fornication once. Obviously, that's not true, but I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) it talks about adultery more. So, in my mind, I had to, I was like, oh, maybe it's just about married people. It's not really about people who are uh, single or dating. So, in my mind, I I made scripture conform into my image, into Mm -hmm. what I was doing. So, when I finally, first person who discipled me, one, not only brought me to the Lord, but it was actually able to uh, show me like, no, God is the one who sets the the pace. I follow that instead of trying to yeah. make him follow my pace. Um, mm. It really challenged me in a lot of areas because there was a lot of things that I was comfortable with. There was a lot of things I was doing that I'm like, uh, okay, this is just the way I've been living my whole life. Like, mm-hmm. I don't see anything wrong with it. Some stuff as simple as I used to get to meetings like 20 minutes late. Like, every time he would look at me like, you're late again. <laughs> he would never say anything bad, but it was just like, you're late again. After some time, so this is like, after some time, I actually just started to recognize like, wow, am I actually valuing his mm. time? Yeah. Um, and something that we like to say in like the group of friends that I'm in, and especially at uh, Grace Covenant Church is like, there's things that are caught and not taught. Mm-hmm. That was something that in discipleship was actually caught from him because he never said like he he would make jokes about it sometimes, but he was never like, you need to come on time tomorrow because we're meeting at this time. It was just like, hey, I know you have things to do, but uh, 
did you did you notice that you're always like 20 minutes late so we, we don't actually have enough time to meet because yeah. of you. um i think about even some other discipleship that's happened from um from the pulpit like a lot of that didn't happen from the pulpit but uh some other discipleship that's happened from the pulpit where i heard people talking about things that i'm like wow this like this faith that we're living is so real like because something for me a lot i'm like this can't just be real to me um so i've had people just impact me in that way that's changed me as well um i remember even even now i constantly am trying to seek or in in discipleship relationships as well so uh whether it's things about accountability whether it's things about just trying to make sure that the message that i'm sharing with people is the pure gospel there's people who are able to course correct me when I'm wrong. Um, mm. And it's it's really impacted me in huge ways because I think about like, one, the fact that I've been able to be discipled by multiple people. Um, I see a flavor of each person in my life um, mm. while not becoming them. So, because I don't think the goal of discipleship is like, oh, I need to make this person become CJ. Um, mm. but there is something that there is something to that where even Paul is like, follow me as I follow Christ. There was something that he was imparting to them, uh, of himself in that moment. And he alludes to that in other places as well. So mm. I think one thing is just like getting to, to see the flavor of other people and how they follow Christ in my life. Um, mm. but also getting to see natural moments, getting to see, um, mm. the birth of children, getting to see how they care for their children, getting to see how they buy groceries, getting to see yeah. uh, how they love their wives, getting to see how um, just they interact with others that sometimes challenges me like, wow, I don't know if I would have lived like this if I didn't see somebody else doing it mm-hmm. for me. Uh, man, I remember, I'll talk about the first disciple making relationship even as I'm thinking about it, coaching just is a good analogy and good vehicle for discipleship, even if they're not saved, right? Some of the mechanics when I used to play basketball, the invitation and the challenge, I love what you were talking about around just, hey, man, people inviting you into mm-hmm. proximity, inviting you to see you know, how they love their wives, how they love their children, right? A lot of those things, as you mentioned, they're caught. And those things deeply shape you. But then also the challenge of, hey, man, show up on time. In basketball, I mean, the challenge is even rougher, right? Like you show up late, you're doing suicides, right? You know what I mean? And I was formed as a man in those in those contexts. And I think it prepared me for submission mm-hmm. in the future. And I remember in high school, um, I got connected to this group and... During that time period, it was heavy on discerning God's voice and obeying it. And as I look back 10 years down the line, I'm looking at that is the essence of discipleship. It falls down to two questions. What is Jesus saying to me? What am I going to do about it? Like, that's it. It's really that simple. And I was talking to Bree earlier And oftentimes we make discipleship this complicated project and we give these complicated tools to people. 
And so imagine if you want to build a birdhouse or a treehouse. I'm trying to build a treehouse for my daughter. And I go to Home Depot and they hand me this complicated tool. I'm going to be demoralized. I'm like, I don't want to build this treehouse because you're giving me this tool that I'm going to have to read a 200-page manual, sign a waiver just to build a treehouse. And I think we do that with discipleship. We complicate yeah. it. We give people complex tools and then people feel insecure. And a lot, one of the root reasons why people don't disciple is because one, they feel that like they're inadequate or they're not perfect. Yeah. But if we distill discipleship to two basic questions, any follower of Jesus can make disciples. And that question is, what is Jesus saying to me? And what are you going to do about it? Right. right. You eliciting those questions around, okay, what are you discerning right now in this in this moment through your emotions, through the text, through this through this situation, right? What what do you feel is the kairos? Kairos is in the Greek is the opportune moment latent with kingdom potential, right? What is the kairos in this? And what are you going to do about it? How are you going to plan? How are you going to act upon it? And during that first initial stage, it was so crucial in my growth because it took scriptures from being theoretical to actually being experiential. Like, okay, I'm reading in the scriptures, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. Okay, do it, right? <laughs> I'm reading in the scriptures. I remember... Proverbs 20, 20 talks about honoring your parents. And if you don't honor your parents, your light will be snuffed out. Yeah. I remember hearing that. And I'm like, I'm disobedient to my parents. <laughs> I'm, I'm going out to revival meetings, ignoring the wisdom of my mom. And I'm like, I'm doing it for Jesus, right? And, but, but discipleship is, hey, let's take this verse. What is Jesus saying to you through this verse? Mm -hmm. And once you are able to embrace that, you act upon it, and then boom, that's spiritual formation. That's taking the next step. That's becoming like Jesus. And yeah, so that was like my journey. It was just like, what is God saying? That 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 resulted to breaking up with girlfriends. That resulted to purity. That resulted to switching up my spiritual intake, what I was consuming, my eyes was seeing, my ears was listening. That resulted to forgiving my neighbors, forgiving those who offended me, asking for forgiveness. And a lot of those conversations was just, what is God saying to me? And what am I going to do about it? And so as I transition, I've seen that, that those two questions have been common themes. What is God saying to me? What am I going to do about it? All the other topics, spiritual gifts, um, systemic theology, all of that stuff is cool. But it all boils down to if I'm not going to listen to Jesus and I'm not going to act upon it, just as James says, I'm looking at a mirror, I'm deceiving myself and, you know, I'm, 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 I'm essentially useless. And if you look through all scripture, you look at the gospels and you look at the parables that Jesus mentions, it always has this like central, these central themes like, are you hearing? Are you doing? Are you yeah. hearing? Yeah. Are you doing? Are you listening? Are you obeying? And so, yeah, that's been my journey as it relates to discipleship, just mentors, disciple makers, prompting open-ended questions for me not to know what to think, but to, to know how to think and how to relate to God and, and how to ask questions and how to be open to the questions that Jesus is prompting me and actually the how to obey, not just the what to obey. I love what you said, CJ, around like imitation Right. The 
there's a concept of discipleship where it's information leads to imitation, imitation leads to innovation, right? And so from the pulpit, you're getting information, but that's all you can get from the pulpit. So disciple making capacity is limited from the pulpit. You need access for the imitation, right? I can't see how that person treats his wife on stage. Yeah. So I need access. Yeah. So when I have access, I can then imitate the person. I can walk in their footsteps. I love what Hebrews believe when in a rabbi disciple relationship, there's a concept of um, letting the dust fall on the, on the student, meaning that you're walking so closely behind your, your rabbi that the dust is actually coming upon you. Yeah. And so access gives you the ability to imitate but then after a while, I remember a situation I was imitating um, uh, this man of God. He was he, he he's still somewhat connected in my life. But I remember changing up the way I dress. And after a while, after imitating him for some some time period, the way he's reading the text and the way he's approaching situations, the Lord started to birth within me a way to innovate. So it's like I'm building upon his foundation. I'm veering off down another trajectory, but at least I'm grounded in what's true and what's fruitful. Yeah. Yeah. And so now I'm, okay, leaving from imitation to now innovating upon what this person laid down the groundwork. And so that's been my, my journey of just having a council of people, women, men, just pouring into me and me imitating it to a degree right. and then innovating off of it to see new fruit, to see new kingdom advancement. So that's good. Wow. <sighs> okay. So, um, <laughs> cause I already knew this was going to be deep cause both of y'all are super deep. So I'd just be like, wow, I'm, I'm listening. I'm taking it. In. I'm over here learning. I'm like, <laughs> Shoot, I'm learning too. I'm being disabled right now. <laughs> Man. Discipleship is my topic, man. That's my jam. <laughs> so as two people who actively disciple people, you guys have talked about how discipleship is very hands-on, how it's active, it's not passive, but you can still learn things in the passivity of it all. But in your opinion, is there a lack of discipleship in the church? Heck yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Heck yes. DJ, go ahead, man. What do you think? Yeah. I think there's something that hurts my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I think about, like, how Olu was talking about earlier, just of, like, how this world could look different if there's true discipleship that's happening. Mm-hmm. And I look at just our local churches and just in a broader context, like, thinking of the church as a whole, but... Um, seeing that from like the different, like, I guess, microcosms of like local churches that are across the body, like mm-hmm. from what I know, it feels like there's a heavy lack on discipleship. Okay. Um, we have turned to a place where um, it talks about this in second Timothy, where we go after teachers who um, mm. basically scratch our itching ears. Mm-hmm. So instead of actually looking for people who will challenge and change us, we go after those who make us feel full for a second. Yeah. Um, but it's like eating popcorn. Eat popcorn for a little bit. That's not a full <laughs> meal. Like right. after, you're going to be hungry after a while. So if you pretend that's mm-hmm. a meal, 
uh, it's actually starving you. Yeah. And because of that, we, we see people who, um, one, when it actually comes to following Jesus, not just in name, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's, there's a lack. There's people who I, I literally was talking to somebody yesterday and just one of the things he was saying, he was like, I saw so many Christians around me when I was younger, yeah. but none of them actually look like this Christ who they were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and to hear somebody t- like turn away from faith when they had a bunch of people of faith around them. Um, but because those people, um, from what I know, from what he was saying, didn't really uh, either have discipleship or seek after discipleship, mm-hmm. um, the, the image that he was given actually pushed him away because he was like, this is incongruent. Like, wow. there's something about this that either I have to say that Jesus is wrong or I have yeah. to say that these people are just wrong. And it's easier when you're seeing a bunch of people who are naming the name of Christ but not um, representing him by their deeds to mm-hmm. say Jesus is wrong because there's multiple examples that look wrong. Mm. But I feel like as a as a whole, we see discipleship lacking in just so many different areas. Um, and some of it is because it's a chain reaction. Like, yeah, I know we all know people who probably were a part of pyramid schemes. But <laughs> if you think about the the whole thing that it it, it holds up on is a yeah. chain reaction. So you have somebody at the top, and then those they get two other people. Those people get two other people, and then it goes on from there. And literally, the person at the top is benefiting the most. Right. But literally, our faith reverses that, um, where the person who at the top per se one that's Jesus, but Thinking from a human standpoint, that person at the top is impacting other people's lives who are impacting mm-hmm. other people's lives, who are impacting other people's lives. But when that starts to miss or people get so much about being um, when discipleship just stops at somebody who is only content with being filled up themselves, then you see a chain reaction that follows where there's less discipleship in in the wake of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see those people literally, uh, it talks about this in Titus, where it's like uh, they profess to know God, but deny him by their deeds. So you yeah. literally see that on a wide scale because we have become content with um, either just being filled up ourselves so nobody after us um, is actually impacted for Christ. Mm-hmm. Or it's like we're content, how Oli was saying earlier, just like we're content with decisions. Yeah. So. This person is like, oh, I'm a Christian. I prayed the prayer of salvation. I'm good. But it's like, what does that actually mean for the fruit of your life? Yeah. Like, what does that actually mean for others? Um, mm-hmm. So, and, that, and if we actually circle back around to the beginning, something you see is Jesus in his time on earth was not just content with, okay, I'm just going to say everything to everybody. He was like, it says that the gospel started with the Jews first and then to the Greeks. God has always been about, let me start here so that everywhere else can be impacted. Mm-hmm. It's always been that. If you, if you even look back at the people of Israel, the very purpose behind them was that you will be a people called by my name so that the rest of the world can know that I am Lord over all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see that transferred into the New Testament. 
I just said where he started with the Jews, then to the Greeks, uh, then to the Gentiles. So for us, discipleship is never, it should never just be about, let me be uh, how some people say in a holy huddle. It's actually about like once we're transformed, others have to be transformed. Otherwise, we're missing the point and we yeah. see some of what we see now in this world where it's a lack of discipleship on a wide, like, wide scale basis. Um, mm. Yeah. Rich. That's rich. I mean, I think even to add some historical lenses to how we've come to this discipleship gap, to kind of not go too far back, you think of Billy Graham mm-hmm. and the success he's had and him being influenced by a lot of revivalism and the beginnings of the evangelical faith. And you see Billy Graham hosting crusades. Yeah. And you also see, there's a statement I want to make, that the, the gospel you uphold and believe determines the disciples you make. Hmm. Yeah. And so Billy Graham's model and method of evangelism was decisions. Yeah. And then they noticed that, man, there were a ton of people who were coming to the faith, but there was no follow-up. And so the Navigators with Dawson, the the founder of the Navigators, they were close friends and they worked together to kind of bridge this gap. But the gap was created because evangelism was divorced from discipleship. So they had to have a follow-up, right? The follow-up was the Navigators ministry. And so this concept of decisions, this concept of people responding, this this personal... uh, relationship had its pros, but it also had its negative repercussions. And I think of, imagine, right, if you, you know, when you, if you're into like cutting wood to build something, you, if you don't use the, the first standard to cut the other wood, but you use the, the subsequent wood and use the subsequent wood afterwards, what tends to happen is the, the wood that you come up with after a hundred slices ends up being completely different than the original yeah. because you weren't using the original. And so the gospel, the, the, the method of evangelism has been, we've been looking at the, the past generation without looking at the first, the original generation. And we've come to this place of just disillusionment, incongruency, and just difference, right? Like, man, how do we get here? It's because over the years, slow leaks has been like diluting the gospel into what we would call a forgiveness only gospel, right? Like, oh, all I need is the forgiveness and I'm good, I'm in, right? Versus the concept of the gospel is entering into the way of Jesus, yeah. right? Like entering into not just the truth about Jesus, yeah. But you have to have the way of Jesus, which is discipleship. Yeah. And so that's some historical context. But then also, as you think about just in general, there's so many gospels that are out here. Right? I mentioned the forgiveness only gospel. There's a gospel of the left. Right. That's the social gospel mm-hmm. where, you know, people are embodying, which is true, the desire of uh, justice. And in that process, the gospel still isn't about Jesus. It's about our society, yeah. right? Then you have prosperity gospel, right? And we all know what that is. That's <laughs> the gospel of claiming our rights. <laughs> yeah. Again, the gospel isn't about Jesus. It's about me. 
Then you got the consumer gospel. To so to what you were saying, CJ, around like, man, I'm just receiving, receiving. Mm-hmm. A lot of the systems and programs of the church is actually enabling people to be addicted to religious goods and services, right? Mm-hmm. So we go to conference after conference, yeah. book after book, sermon after sermon, no transformation, right? Wow. And you have the gospel of the right, which is simply, in order to be right, you have to have the right doctrinal statements. And so there's, yeah. if I have the right concepts, I'm in. And if you have the wrong concepts, you're out. But then the kingdom gospel is not about me, not about you, not about society, but it's about Jesus being Lord of all. He is the Messiah, the promised one who's come to establish his reign on earth. And when I think about it, man, could it be that the gospel that we're preaching from the pulpits doesn't have a natural tendency towards discipleship? And that's the reason why we're seeing a gap. Right. The messages that we're communicating doesn't naturally lead people to being disciples, but it leads people to being shaped by a message that's either from the world, from human invention or the enemy. And so I definitely believe that there's a discipleship gap. That's my prayer, that we would wake up and we would shift from TED Talks to training centers, right? We would shift from concerts to actually places of spiritual transformation where I love what CJ was mentioning from 2 Corinthians 3, where we're actually not beholding a person, we're beholding Jesus and being transformed. So That's good. I was thinking about something that I was reading the other day, and it was like Peter preaching to the Gentiles for the first time. So this is something that's new and out of his context. And there was a phrase that he said there that made me think just a little bit about discipleship. It's not a perfect parallel, but um, he said that Jesus commanded them to testify to the fact that he is the the judge of both the living and the dead. Yes, sir. And not that it's like, oh, now I have to be a good person on my own, the void of Jesus that will save me. But it's like how you were saying, oh, it's like, following Jesus way. It's like that shows that your heart is really with him. So if he's really the judge of of all things, one, that means that he is a just judge. If you try to get to like, if you try to um, do some of the math on like, just is he worthy of being the judge? You Mm. arrive at the point where he's a just judge, which means he actually knows what we should and should not do. Because yeah. if he's worthy to judge, he's that means that there's there's something that is is being followed as we would with a natural judge. The only difference is that with a natural judge, they're following laws and rule books that may have been written by somebody else. For us, we have the perfect lawgiver who is also telling us, I can save you by, um, one, I lived the perfect life that you didn't live. So you don't have to worry about somehow making yourself worthy. But because of that, follow me. Like it's, it feels like if we think of who Jesus is as the perfect judge, the, the judge of both the living and the dead, and what that leads to, it actually shows us, wow, this is very simple. Uh, it's not always simple in the moment to follow Jesus, but uh, it's very simple of why we should follow him because yeah. he is the end all be all. So it just makes sense to grow in him. 
in that way. Um, and I'm like, discipleship puts an urgency to know that at one day, because of even that statement before, we're going to stand before him. Yeah. Like, we're going to have to account for every deed. And I'm grateful for the fact that with all my mistakes, with all my failures, he's going to stand before me. Uh, well, I'll be standing before him. And he'll tell me, like, he actually has sacrificed himself for me. Um, but I think about, like, if we're sold a bill of goods that are not true, imagine standing before Jesus and being like, well, I thought all I had to do was prayer, prayer. I thought all I had to do was fill out a decision card. Like, hmm. that that's something that, that pains, like, that really does pain me. Um, yeah, I'm even just thinking about, there's a quote that comes to mind. It says, the, system, the, the results that you're experiencing, the system was perfectly, the system was perfectly designed to get you the results that you're experiencing. Hmm. So if you think about racism, you think about the moral failures in the church, you think about um, church's lack of response to justice and the marginalized and the oppressed. Mm -hmm. You think of just consumerism. You think of celebrity Christian culture, right? All of these problems. I love how Dallas Willett puts it. Instead of our focus being the great commission, there's been a great omission in the mm -hmm. church, right? And that great omission is making disciples. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, 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 when I think about just the lack of discipleship, it's just, man, when we actually study Jesus, we notice that he has preferential treatment towards the marginalized, even all throughout the narrative of, the, of scripture, right? It, there's, there's treatment, there's a focus, there's a, a centering of those on the margins. Yeah. And if we're not following the way of Jesus, all we think of is the truth of Jesus mm -hmm. to CJ's words, right? All we're doing is taking truth to conform into our image without actually looking at, man, not only are we looking at what he said, we're looking at what he did and yeah. following him in that. And we'll notice that our lifestyles will change. Yeah. What we buy would change. Yeah. What we participate, what we subscribe to would change. Mm -hmm. And we'll find that we don't fit in a, in, a, in a political box, right? The left has some heart postures that embody Jesus and, 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 and we should follow God in it. But then also the right has some heart postures and views that we should follow. And we'll find ourselves that the way is another way. Yeah. It's not the way of the left. It's not that way of the right. It's a third way. It's another way. And that's that discipleship piece of identifying what is that other way? What is that kingdom way? Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, man. I mean, 2020 was a doozy and it just revealed the lack of foundation in disciples and disciple making initiatives. Right. People were just running around. Right. We no longer could gather anymore. And so people were like, what do we do? Yeah. And I'm like, Dang. like if you had discipleship making relationships, it could be a bit easier yeah. or you would have a strategy. But I think a lot of ministries and churches are built around the Sunday to Sunday. Mm -hmm. And when the Sunday was shut down, people were like, what do we do? Yeah. And that's because discipleship may not have been a focus. So yeah. to piggyback on the, like, <laughs> <laughs> piggyback on the piggyback of the piggyback. 
literally just what something that popped up when you were talking about uh just with the pandemic and just mm-hmm. 2020 and how we couldn't gather anymore i think about like paul's heart towards timothy it's like mm-hmm. this is my son in the faith like there's just a closeness in that relationship that you see that you, there's no doubt that paul was imparting something to timothy one we have the letters to see like Mm. stronger than Lord, don't be, uh, tell him, don't be timid, don't be fearful, all these things. But you can just see there was a a, uh, a tightness in that relationship that distance mm. could not diminish. Yeah. Um, the fact that he was like, I hope to see you soon. So we know he wasn't with him, but mm. there was something that was just formed and crafted between them uh, of how he was showing him what it means to follow and obey Jesus, what it means mm. to um, grow in how you treat others, what it means to preach the words to others, uh, what it means when you're scared to still do the work of Jesus. He's like, do the work of an evangelist. In the first chapter, he's telling him, like, be strong. And, well, not strong and courageous, but <laughs> he's telling him, like, not to be fearful. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a yeah. power of love and a sound mind. So literally, the, the, there's a conclusion that we could make that because of that, Timothy was fearful. Yet, because of discipleship, he was able to communicate, hey, still do the work of an evangelist. Mm-hmm. Let no one despise you because of your youth. And that also could not be um, just, it couldn't be taken away because of distance. So I think there's so many benefits of discipleship. Like, yeah, literally, we would not have our faith if not for discipleship. Wow. Like, if people were not taken under the wings of another constantly for the past 2000 years, I literally would not be here right now. So if we don't put the proper premium on discipleship now, a lot of people will pay the cost later. The last thing that that makes me think of is in Ezekiel, there was, um, they were talking about just somebody being the, the watchman. And it's like, if you're the watchman and you don't tell people what's going on or what's coming, their blood falls on your hands. That's like, not to try to make people feel like condemned or anything. That's the type of burden I feel. Yeah. If I know the, the, the weight of discipleship and I don't tell others, in some sense, their blood falls on my hands. Paul said this, he's like, in Acts 20, one of my favorite chapters, when like literally he's like, this is the last time he's about to see these elders in Ephesus. He's like, mm-hmm. I did not hold back from preaching to you the whole counsel of God. Mm-hmm. Not part of it. The whole counsel of God. So he's like, none of your blood is on my hands. Yeah. The same language across. So that like, just to give a, a clear glimpse of the weight that I feel with discipleship, it's like, this is serious. That's it for this episode of the Influence Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to use hashtag InfluencePod when talking about the podcast on social media. Give us a rate and follow me on Instagram and TikTok at the Brianna Monet. Until next time, deuces. <laughs>